My mentor, Dick Simmons, back in 1983, when he introduced um, the whole concept of revival and great awakenings and started us praying for the next great awakening, the next season of revival, um, he introduced revival as a cyclical pattern, um, as sort of as waves that that happen periodically throughout history. That and he mentioned mainly our U.S. history. So we have times when it's like almost like tides. The tide comes in, the tide goes out, the tide comes in. That's the way it, the way it's been in our history, but. That history uh, goes back farther than the United States. It goes back to Scotland. And it it started, really, the revival pattern um, began 500 years ago in Scotland. And so what we're needing to do, I think, if we're going to have another season of revival and a, and a third great awakening, we need to look and see what has God done during these previous times when the, the Spirit has been poured out and there's been revival. And then out of that, uh, an awakening of a nation to the pattern of sound teaching in the Word of God. So it's not just like a revival of church doctrine and church uh, government or uh, a, a worship style, which are the kinds of things that we find church historians love to, to write about. Um, we're talking here about revival as a pattern that has its own independent existence. It's, it's the, uh, the Reformation, for example, in Scotland was, was about church, church, churches being reformed. But revival is about the kingdom of God, and that's something different. Of course, all churches are supposed to seek first the kingdom and, and, and God's righteousness. And so there's an overlapping. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times churches just seek their own success, and there's not a real <clears throat> um, overlapping with revival. Um, but... <clears throat> They're, they're two different things. It's like two circles that, that are interconnected, but they're not the same thing. That's what I'm trying to say here. And so you can go back and study revival, and um, it, you, you, you see a whole different set of, of characteristics. In other words, how does God work through revival? And it's not the same thing as this normal way that we think. In Scotland, for example, all right, they went from Catholic to Protestant. That's a paradigm that we use to, to remember what happened then, but it's not the only paradigm. Another paradigm uh, is this revival paradigm, and, and you discover that God uses seasons of revival, revival tides, revival tides come in and they go out. Now let me show you how this works by going back to Scotland and to this um, 
friend of mine, Tom Lenny, who has been one of those revival historians that I mentioned uh, a month ago in my last teaching, um, where he has looked at this aspect of Scottish history, the revival aspect, and described in detail what happened in the past. Not the Reformation part, but the revival part. And uh, and one thing that we discover is that uh, there are sovereign moves of God that have happened in our past that have been almost entirely forgotten. It, it, I don't know what it is. We like to think that we're the important part, and the 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 church part, and all the things that we did are are what matter. Uh, and we're we're ready to just forget about the God part at the drop of a hat. And and so here's Tom coming in with the God part. And we can look at that now and we say, all right, well, how does God work? How does this happen? We can start looking at the principles of outpourings of the Holy Spirit and 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 then study that. And it's different from the church part. This is the kingdom of God. And surely because we're serving the gospel of the kingdom, we ought to be interested in this. Um, so here, let me give you an example of how this has worked in, by going back to the very first revival, which it happened during the days of John Knox. Okay, John Knox is always presented for uh, the conflict with the Catholics and with Mary, Queen of Scots, and, and you have all of this. It's been studied ad infinitum, um, but... One thing you you start to realize is that yeah, during that time Jesus was doing something. Um, Jesus was actually pouring out the Holy Spirit in revival, and John Knox, who was in had been in, on the continent, he wasn't even present during some of this time, um, and he came back and he's, he's he was just astonished at what was happening in Scotland. Uh, he said, it's as if men had rained from the clouds. There were so many people, and they were so hungry for God. Um, not just the, the, the poor, the, the, the crofters and the shepherds and the, the poor people that were just, Scotland was full of these people, but also the highborn, the, the lairds, the, the heads of clans. Just there was a, a general... Uh, hunger for God that he could not explain. But uh, God was raising him up to preach the word, to show people what to do about this. So that really is, it's not only the, the, the Great Reformation in Scotland, but it's the first revival season. It's the first revival tide. So the tide came in and then the tide went out. And soon after uh, Knox's death, uh, it was uh, another historian said this, um, if I can find it here, the dawning of our Reformation was then but dark. So something happened where, yeah, even though Scotland became Protestant, that didn't solve all their problems. Um, 
it it it's like there's a, a situation of depravity that isn't solved by just becoming Protestant, um, and so Protestant sin was just as difficult and hurtful as Catholic sin, and so let's look and see what God did to really address the situation of of depravity that resists the power of God and the and the real um a pattern that God is looking for which which is described in 1 Timothy 1 4 and 5 love that comes from a pure heart a good conscience and sincere faith so that that is what the kingdom that's a description of the kingdom of God whether it's Protestant or Catholic. You see what I'm saying? So, so God had to come back, even though Scotland was Protestant now, he had to come back and do again what he did the first time, which was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that you discover about the Scottish Reformation and those early years was that there was a lot of prophecy uh, quite a bit of prophecy from the main leaders. Oftentimes, the main leaders of of the Scottish Kirk were also prophets. And so, uh, in the the days after the death of John Knox, God raised up two particular uh, men who were prophets and who were intercessors. Um, so they spent a lot of time uh, praying. And then God would speak to them, and they would speak that word out to other people, and it, it made them prophets. They didn't style themselves as great prophets of God. They didn't, they didn't use that language, but they spoke prophetically. And one of those guys was John Welsh, who was the son-in-law of John Knox. And then another guy was John Davidson. And... Uh, and the the fact that the that the uh, Protestant Scottish pastors acknowledged and respected prophets uh, shows in the story I'm about to tell. Because what happened was, well, first of all, John Welsh was a man. It it says he uh, considered a day ill spent if he hadn't given seven or eight hours. To prayer, so when you start seeing people like this show up uh, in your church or in your country, uh, rejoice because that's a sign that God is about to send another season of revival. That's something that God provides to move back into the direction of a revival tide, and then He would, uh, John Welsh would also speak prophetically, as did John Davidson. So now John Davidson began to uh, come to his presbytery uh, with uh, news about the sins of the church. In other words, God was revealing to John Davidson how offended he was that the pastors of the Kirk of Scotland were offending him. And so he made up a long list of the sins of the clergy and the sins of the church. 
and uh, he asked his presbytery to call a general assembly meeting in which he could present his list. And the presbytery did call that for that general assembly, and the general assembly did meet in 1596, and the only subject on the docket was the sins of the clergy. Um, all of those pastors came to that uh, general assembly to hear what John Davidson had to say. That would indicate to me that he was a respected prophet, and uh, people sensed that there was something important that was going to happen. And so that's what happened at St. Giles Cathedral uh, in 1596 at the General Assembly meeting. John Davidson got up and he read his list of the sins of the clergy and sat down. And then what happened was amazing because there was a weeping that began to happen all throughout that General Assembly meeting. The, here's 400 bearded, dignified pastors all assembled together and they just start crying, bawling over the sins that they have committed against Christ. Now, how does this happen? Um, I like to refer back to uh, a sermon of John Welch, uh, which is, I think, a, the, one of the best statements of what was happening there. Um, he said, There is a godly sorrow that leads a man to life, and this sorrow is wrought in a man by the Spirit of God. And in the heart of the godly, that he mourns for sin, because it has displeased God, who is so dear and so sweet a father to him. And even if he had neither a heaven to gain nor a hell to lose, yet he is still sad and sorrowful in heart, because he has grieved God. I think that's what was happening right there. It's as though um, John Welsh, just preaching a sermon, had prophesied what was going to happen at the next General Assembly. I mean, it was just incredible. Um, so here are 400 bearded pastors who are all weeping their hearts out at a General Assembly meeting. And the only way you can explain this is that God showed up a second time. You see what I'm saying? It's the presence of Jesus coming back to his church bringing conviction of sin, writing his laws on their hearts all over again. And, and this begins a second revival tide in Scotland so that David Calder, Calderwood, the, the Reformation historian, describes what happened throughout Scotland. He says, 1596 was a remarkable year to the Kirk of Scotland. The Kirk of Scotland was now come to her perfection and the greatest purity that she ever attained to, both in doctrine and discipline, so that her beauty was admirable to foreign Kirks. I mean, this is, this is what happened when Jesus showed up. And, and all of those pastors then went to their separate towns and they carried that revival spirit with them. And it's more than just doctrines. It's more than just 
Presbyterianism. It's more than just a change in the, the style of worship. You get some different songs. It is a revival spirit. It is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that has come into a new generation and is now being spread out by the power of God throughout a country. And so you trace that on. Then the revival went out again. Then the revival came back in. And then the revival went back out. And then the tide came back in. And then you have that whole pattern of revival tides crosses the ocean and gets planted in the United States of America. And that is an exciting thing for us Americans because that, more than the Protestant Reformation, was a historical fact that made America... Uh, really an exceptional uh, experiment in the kingdom of God. And so I'm excited to be writing about this. It's so, it's become a passion for me. Um, and um, Glory Through Time Volume 2 is developing. And I'm excited to um, put that out there probably later this year. But um, it's this pattern of revival tides that we are looking to right now, and uh, I believe we're, we're, we're about to witness a tide coming back in.